Chapter Eight, Part Two, of the Miracles of Our Lord. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Miracles of Our Lord by George MacDonald. Chapter Eight The Raising of the Dead. Part Two. And now for the wonderful story of Lazarus. In this miracle, one might think that the desire of Jesus for his friend's presence through his own coming trouble might have had a share, were it not that we never find him working a miracle for himself. He knew the perfect will of the Father, and left all to him. Those who cannot know that will, and do not care for it, have to fall into trouble, that they may know God as the Saviour from their own doings, as the fountain of all their well-being. This Jesus had not to learn, and therefore could need no miracle wrought for him. Even his resurrection was all for others. That miracle was wrought in, not for him. He knew Lazarus was dying. He abode where he was, and let him die. For a hard, and therefore precious, lesson for sisters and friends lay in that death. And the more the love, the more precious the lesson. The same that lies in every death, and the end, the same for all who love. Resurrection. The raising of Lazarus, is the type of the raising of all the dead. Of Lazarus, as of the daughter of Jairus, he said, He sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. He slept as every dead man sleeps. Read the story. Try to think not only what the disciples felt, but what Jesus was thinking. How he, who saw the other side, regarded the death he was about to destroy. Lord, if thou hadst been there, said Martha, my brother had not died. Did she mean to hint what she had not faith enough to ask? Thy brother shall rise again, said the Lord. But her faith was so weak that she took little comfort from the assurance. Alas, she knew what it meant. She knew all about it. He spoke of the general far-off resurrection, which to her was a very little thing. It was true he should rise again, but what was that to the present consuming grief? A thousand years might be to God as one day, but to Martha the one day was as a thousand years. It is only to him who entirely believes in God that the thousand years become one day also. For he that believes shares in the vision of him in whom he believes. It is through such faith that Jesus would help her, far beyond the present awful need. He seeks to raise her confidence in himself by the strongest assertions of the might that was in him. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, 
yet shall he live. The death of not believing in God, the God revealed in Jesus, is the only death. The other is nowhere but in the fears and fancies of unbelief. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. There is for him nothing to be called death, nothing that is what death looks to us. Believest thou this? Martha was an honest woman. She did not fully understand what he meant. She could not, therefore, do more than assent to it. But she believed in him, and that much she could tell him plainly. Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And that hope with the confession arose in her heart. She gave the loveliest sign. She went and called her sister. But even in the profounder Mary, faith reached only to the words of her sister. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When he saw her trouble, and that of the Jews with her, he was troubled likewise. But why? The purest sympathy with what was about to vanish would not surely make him groan in his spirit. Why then this trouble in our Lord's heart? We have a right, yea, a duty to understand it if we can, for he showed it. I think it was caused by an invading sense of the general misery of poor humanity from the lack of faith in the Father, without which he, the Son, could do or endure nothing. If the Father ceased, the Son must cease. It was the darkness between God and his creatures that gave room for, and was filled with, their weeping and wailing over their dead. To them, death must appear an unmitigated and irremediable evil. How frightful to feel as they felt, to see death as they saw it. Nothing could help their misery but that faith in the infinite love which he had come to bring them. But how hard it was to persuade them to receive it. And how many weeping generations of loving hearts must follow. His father was indeed with them all, but how slowly and painfully would each learn the one precious fact. Where have ye laid him? he asked. Lord, come and see, they answered, in such mournful accents of human misery that he wept with them. They came to the grave. Take ye away the stone. Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days, said she who believed in the resurrection of the life. They are the saddest of sad words. I hardly know how to utter the feeling they raise. In all the relations of mortality to immortality, of body to soul, there are painful and even ugly things, things to which, by common consent, we refer only upon dire necessity and with a sense of shame. Happy they in whom the mortal has put on immortality. Decay and its accompaniments, all that makes the most beloved of the appearances of God's creation a terror, compelling us to call to the earth for succour and pray her to take our dead out of our sight, to receive our own back into her bosom, and unmake in secret darkness that which was the glory of the light in our eyes, 
this was uppermost with martha even in the presence of him to whom death was but a slave to come and go at his will careful of his feelings of the shock to his senses she would oppose his will for the dead brother's sake also that he should not be dishonoured in his privacy she would not have that stone removed but had it been as martha feared who was so tender with feeble flesh as the son of man who was so unready to impute the shame it could not help who less fastidious over the painful working of the laws of his own world entire affection hateth nicer hands and at the worst what was decay to him who could recall the disuniting atoms under the restored law of imperial life said i not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe thou shouldest see the glory of god again i say the essential glory of god who raises all the dead not merely an exceptional glory of god in raising this one man they should see not corruption but glory no evil odour of dissolution should assail them but glowing life should spring from the place of the dead light should be born from the very bosom of the darkness they took away the friendly stone then jesus spoke not to the dead man but to the living father the men and women about him must know it as the father's work and jesus lifted up his eyes and he said father i thank thee that thou hast heard me and i know that thou hearest me always but because of the people which stand by i said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me so might they believe that the work was god's that he was doing the will of god and they might trust in the god whose will was such as this he claimed the presence of god in what he did that by the open claim and the mighty deed following it they might see that the father justified what the son said and might receive him and all that he did as the manifestation of the father and now lazarus come forth slow toiling with hand and foot bound in the grave clothes he that had been dead struggled forth to the light what an awful moment when did ever corruption and glory meet and embrace us now oh what ready hands eager almost to helplessness were stretched trembling towards the feeble man returning from his strange journey to seize and carry him into the day their poor day which they thought all the day forgetful of that higher day which for their sakes he had left behind content to walk in moonlight a little longer gladdened by the embraces of his sisters and perhaps i do not know comforting their hearts with news of the heavenly regions joy of all joys the dead come back is it any wonder that this mary should spend three hundred pence on anointment for the feet of the raiser of the dead i doubt if he told them anything i do not think he could make even his own flesh and blood of womankind quick to understand know the things he had heard and seen and felt 
All that can be said concerning this is thus said by our beloved brother Tennyson in his book In Memoriam. Where wert thou, brother, these four days? There lives no record of reply, which telling what it is to die had surely added praise to praise. Behold a man raised up by Christ, the rest remaineth unrevealed, he told it not, or something sealed, the lips of that evangelist. Why are we left in such ignorance? Without the raising of the dead, without the raising of the Saviour himself, Christianity would not have given what it could of hope for the future. Hope is not faith, but neither is faith sight. And if we have hope, we are not miserable men. But Christianity must not, could not, interfere with the discipline needed for its own fulfilment, could not depose the schoolmaster that leads unto Christ. One main doubt and terror which drives men towards the revelation in Jesus is this strange thing death. How shall any man imagine he is complete in himself, and can do without a father in heaven, when he knows that neither the mystery whence he sprang by birth, nor the mystery in which he goes by death? God has given us room away from himself, as Robert Browning says. God, whose pleasure brought man into being, stands away, as it were, a hand-breadth off to give room for the newly made to live, and look at him from a place apart, and use his gifts of brain and heart. And this room, in its time symbol, is bounded by darkness on the one hand, and darkness on the other. Whence I came, and whither I go are dark. How can I live in peace without the God who ordered it thus? Faith is my only refuge, an absolute belief in a being so much beyond myself, that he can do all this for me with utter satisfaction to this me, protecting all its rights, jealously as his own, from which they spring. That he may make me at last one with himself, who is my deeper self, inasmuch as his thought of me is my life and not to know him, even if I could go on living and happy without him, is death. It may be said, why all this? Why not go on like a brave man to meet your fate, careless of what that fate may be? But what if this fate should depend on myself? Am I to be careless then, I answer? The fate is so uncertain, if it be annihilation, why quail before it? Cowardice, at least, is contemptible. Is not indifference more contemptible? That one who has once thought should not care to go on to think? That this glory should perish? Is it no grief? Is life not good with all its pain? Ought one to be willing to part with the good? Ought he not to cleave fast thereto? Have you never grudged the coming sleep, because you must cease, for the time, to be so much as you were before? For my part, I think the man who can go to sleep without faith in God has yet to learn what being is. He who knows not God cannot, however, have much to lose in losing being. And yet, and yet, did he never love man, or woman, or child, 
is he content that there should be no more of it above all is he content to go on with man and woman and child now careless of whether the love is a perishable thing if it be why does he not kill himself seeing it is all a lie a false appearance of a thing too glorious to be fact but for which our best nature calls aloud and cannot have it if one knew for certain that there was no life beyond this then the noble thing would be to make the best of this yea even then to try after such things as are written in the gospel as we call it for they are the noblest that i am sure of whatever i may doubt but not to be sure of annihilation and yet choose it to be true and act as if it were true seems to me to indicate a nature at strife with immortality bound for the dust by its own choice of the earth and returning to the dust the man will say that is yielding everything let us eat and drink for to-morrow we die i am of the dust for i believe in nothing beyond no i return i recognize another law in myself which seems to be infinitely higher and i think that law is in you also although you are at strife with it and will revive in you to your blessed discontent by that i will walk not by yours a law which bids me strive after what i am not but what i may become a law in me striving against the law of sin and down-dragging decay a law which is one with my will and if true most of all things make one at last if i am made to live i ought not to be willing to cease this unwillingness to cease above all this unwillingness to cease to love my own the forefront to me of my all men may be in me the sign may well be in me the sign that i am made to live above all to pass away without the possibility of making reparation to those whom i have wronged with no chance of saying i am sorry what shall i do for you grant me some means of delivering myself from this burden of wrong seems to me frightful no god to help one to be good now no god who cares whether one is good or not if a god then one who will not give his creature enough time to grow good even if he is growing better but will blot him out like a raindrop great god forbid if thou art if thou art not then like this like all other prayers goes echoing through the soulless vaults of a waste universe from the thought of which its peoples recoil in horror death then is genial soul-begetting and love-creating and life is nowhere save in the imaginations of the children of the grave whence then oh whence then came those their imaginations death thou art not my father grave thou art not my mother i come of another kind nor shall ye usurp dominion over me what better sign of immortality than the raising of the dead could god give he cannot however be always raising the dead before our eyes for then the holiness of death's ends would be a failure we need death only it shall be undone once and again for a time that we may know it is not what it seems to us i have already said that probably we are not capable of being told in words what the other world is but even the very report through the ages that the dead came back as their friends had known them with the old love unlost in the grave with the same face to smile and bless is precious indeed 
that they remain the same in all that made them lovely is one priceless fact if we may but hope in it as a fact that we shall behold and clasp and love them again follows of simple necessity we cannot be sure of the report as if it were done before our own eyes yet what a hope it gives even to him whose honesty and his faith together make him like martha refrain speech not daring to say i believe of all that is reported i think such a one will one day be able to believe more than he even knows how to desire for faith in jesus will well make up for the lack of the sight of the miracle does god then make death look what it is not why not let it appear what it is and prevent us from forming false judgments of it it is our low faithlessness that makes us misjudge it and nothing but faith could make us judge it aright and that while in faithlessness we should thus misjudge it is well in what it appears to us it is a type of what we are without god but there is no falsehood in it the dust must go back to the dust he who believes in the body more than the soul cleaves to this aspect of death he who believes in thought in mind in love in truth can see the other side can rejoice over the bursting shell which allows the young oak to creep from its kernel prison the lower is true but the higher overcomes and absorbs it when that which is perfect is come then that which is in part shall be done away when the spirit of death is seen the body of death vanishes from us death is god's angel of birth we fear him the dying stretches out loving hands of hope towards him i do not believe that death is to the dying the dreadful thing it looks to the beholders i think it is more like what the spirit may then be able to remember of its own birth as a child into this lower world the porch of the heavenly how will he love his mother then and all humanity in her and god who gave her and god who gives her back the future lies dark before us with an infinite hope in the darkness to be at peace concerning it on any other ground than the love of god would be an absolute loss better fear and hope and prayer then knowledge and peace without the prayer to sum up an express revelation in words would probably be little intelligible in christ we have an ever-growing revelation he is the resurrection and the life as we know him we know our future in our ignorance lies a force of need compelling us towards god in our ignorance likewise lies the room for the development of the simple will as well as the necessity for arousing it hence this ignorance is but the shell of faith in this as in all his miracles our lord shows in one instance what his father is ever doing without showing it even the report of this is the best news we can have from the other world as we call it
End of chapter 8, part 2